Blog Talk Radio. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. <laughs> What's wrong with him? My first thought would be a lot. Time for the Henry Show. Whatever he is, he destroys you. Daniel Digger! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, K&M Productions proudly brings to you the best wrestling talk show in the world... The K-Dog, Ken Reedy, Dirty Dick Rosenbluth. This is the Ken Reedy Show. And if you don't know, now you know. Two words for you. Well, we got something to tell you here. Here on the Ken Reedy Show, we got quite the deal for you. Let me tell you something. You listen here. Because on June 11th, that's right, June 11th, and we don't give away deals like this often. On June 11th, that's June 11th, June 11th, 2012, at the Peppermill South, the Ken Reedy Show is going to be there live. That's right, live. I tell you, live. He's going to be there live. His deal is insane. I'm telling you, you go to the Peppermill South. You walk in the door. You order yourself a beer. And right there, the Ken Reedy Show will do it and be doing his live broadcast. But that's not it. No, we got more for you. We got more for you. We'll tell you what else we're going to be doing that night. Because on that night, Diamond Dave Rosenbluth is going to be live in Hartfield, Connecticut. And he's going to be calling into the show, giving us a lowdown on what's going on in Connecticut. So it's going to be the Ken Reedy Show at the Peppermill South in June, on June 11th, doing the broadcast live. And then there's going to be Diamond Day Rosenbluth in Connecticut calling in the show. But that's not it. There's going to be more. There's going to be more on that night also. We're going to have stand-up comic and wrestling aficionado Earl Skakel's going to be calling in, telling us what he thinks in the current climate of professional wrestling. So we got the show live. We got Dave live. We got Earl Skakel calling in. But that's not all. No, that's not all. What else we got for you? What else I'm going to to go to the vault. I'm going to go inside. I'm going to check what we got for you. Let's see here. I'm checking. We, this can't be it. This can't be all. No, we got one more thing for you. Jerry Lynn, a core legend, Jerry Lynn, will also be calling in the show that night. What a deal are you? You tune in on Blog Talk Radio slash the Ken Reedy Show. You tune us in or you go down to the Peppermill South and hang out with Ken Reedy himself. And we'll be doing a live broadcast on June 11th. Earl Skakel, Jerry Lynn calling in. This deal is insane. You have tuned into the Ken Reedy Show. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm your host, Ken Reedy. Just giving you a little Don West there. Uh, news uh, as of late, Don West has given in his notice at uh, TNA Wrestling. He's given his notice, so he will not be there anymore. Uh, sad to see him go. I'm sure he'll wind up somewhere. Uh, let me introduce to you, as always, my tag team partner, Dave Rosenblatt. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm sweating like an anorexic chick at a buffet, but other than that, I'm doing good. Nice. It's good to hear you. 
Hookers, uh, come on, call us in. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. 347-838-9815. You can email me, Ken, at thekenreedyshow.com or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash thekenreedyshow. That is where to go to find us out. And uh, Don West was nice enough to promote the June 11th show. Be sure to check us out on June 11th, Peppermill South in Congress, New York, live. And uh, Dave will be out there in Hartford, Connecticut, giving us some live coverage of what's going on um, over there in Connecticut, the climate of the crowd. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great show, so come on out. We're going to have some giveaways at the Pepper Mill that night, uh, so it should be a fun night. But let's get right into it. Special Memorial Day, Ken Reedy Show. Thank you all for tuning in. This is the Ken Reedy Show Memorial Day edition. Happy Memorial Day. Hope everyone's having a happy, safe Memorial Day. And I'd like to give a shout-out to everyone out there who is serving this country right now or has served this country in the past, all those who have lost their lives, all those who have family, who know somebody who has lost their lives, defending our country. Thank you, and this is you. So a special happy Memorial Day to all those people who have served this country. Uh, Dave, anything you'd like to say about Memorial Day? Uh, you know, it's just a bit... A lot of people get mixed up with the fact that it's you know it's a it's a day off from work and you get barbecues and fireworks and yeah it's a, it's about spending time with you know loved ones family and friends and people that are close to you but the real reason is it's it gives us the gives us the reason to have those barbecues for the veterans the people out there that risk their lives to defend this country and uh, let's not lose sight of that and uh, it gives us a reason to have a show and um, you know. We, I thank the United States military, the armed forces, for uh, fighting for our freedom because Ken and I, we both have the freedom to say whatever the hell we want about the world of professional wrestling. And for that, I salute you. Amen, brother. Sounds good. So let's get right to it. Let's get right into the talk of the world of professional wrestling. And there's a lot of things that went on this week. Get over the limit uh, last weekend, last Sunday. Um, but what I want to get into right now is the WWE released their list, top 25 of all time, on the microphone. And my God, I am pissed off. This list is a travesty. Now, I know that there's, there's probably something to be said that I, I do think that people come with lists uh, as of late to have people talk about them, to have people disagree with it. Um, but this list is horrible. Uh, it's a disgrace. It's uh, it's disrespectful to people who have had tremendous mic skills, who have done uh, their due diligence on the mic. And uh, I, I think this list is a travesty. Stone Cold Steve Austin as the number one, the best talker, the best with mic skills ever in the history of wrestling. Look, the guy was good, but come on. Number one? Number one? I mean, come on. That, that's ridiculous. Uh, some of the guys on the list, uh, you know, having uh, Santino Marilla on the list, uh, I find him very entertaining. I enjoy Santino a lot. I don't think he makes my top 25 um, mic workers of all time. Uh, some of the guys, you know, I mean, The Miz, Miz. Look, first, can we just put it out there right now? If ever, ever, any list, any, any list, that, that starts off with best of all time, whether, whatever it is, best worker, best in-ring, best character, best anything. 
that starts off with best of all time, The Miz better not be on that list. Okay? Can we just get that straight? The Miz better not be on any list that refers to the best of all time. For Christ's sake! The Miz is on that list? Dave, what did you think when you first saw this list? I wasn't really happy with it. There were some notable names that were left off the list that kind of bothered me. Um... Steve Austin, number one, I wouldn't agree with that. He was a good talker in his own right, but he certainly wasn't in a, in a, in a number one spot. Um, if anything, there are three guys you could put in that number one spot, and if any one of those guys hit number one, it wouldn't have bothered me. Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Ric Flair, and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Those three guys could talk people into the seats, and they could put over an angle, a storyline that could be on paper – so so atrocious that when they talk about it, all of a sudden there's some meaning and importance to it. So, um, I mean, they put, Edge was on the list, and I love Edge, but Edge wasn't exactly the, the greatest talker in the world. He was good, but he wasn't – I don't think he's top 25 material, top 20 material, whatever the list is. Miz and Santino Morella, I completely agree with you on that. Um, but some names that were left off the list, let's talk for a minute. Michael P.S. Hayes of the Freebirds. I mean, that guy had a gift of gab when he was in world class, when he was leading the Freebirds against the Von Erich. Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman was dropping pipe bombs before CM Punk was even a glimmer in his father's eye for his mother. And then Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. You know, I mean, I could go over so many more names that deserve to be on that list. They put, like, um, I mean, Randy Savage is on the list, which he deserves. But Randy Savage didn't really say a whole lot that made sense. I, to, to me, personally, but his voice, the unique voice that he had, I think, kind of attracted the viewers when he did talk. Um, I think the list is horseshit. Whoever came up with this idea should be fired, personally. Jesus Christ, why am I not working for the fucking company? God <laughs> damn. Yeah, I got to agree Sorry. with you. I mean, I, I, I won't argue with anybody. I mean, to me, the, the, the blessed trinity of Mike Burgers. Is, is Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, and Ric Flair. And I, I'm going with, uh, you know, if you have either one of those three as your number one, um, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think I think that's, those are respectable. Um, a guy like, I mean, for me, I, it, it's tough for me to figure out who's number one. I put Dusty number one on my list. Uh, but Heenan's got to be up there uh, as well. Um, Jesus, as you were talking about some notables that? that were off the list, um, I thought of Scott Hall. Who is tremendous? Um, uh, Iron Sheik, who a guy you know who could get. I mean, a lot of times you know he didn't make a lot of sense, and sometimes he didn't even know what he was saying, but could garner a lot of heat. Um, one of the people that was off the list that I, I thought was interesting, and if you want to have some newer uh, names on the list, uh, Vicky Guerrero. Is there anybody right now uh, can that can garner more heat than a Vicky Guerrero? I mean, she she only says two words, and they, the place erupts and draws a huge amount of heat. So I mean, yeah, you you could you could argue that that you know she's uh, that she deserves to be on that list. Yeah, I thought her and, and another guy off the list that I thought was interesting, who I always thought was good on the list. Now I haven't made my list yet, so I don't know if they made my list. Like I said, those top three are on, but Road Dog. Another guy who was really good uh, on the mic that uh, was absent from this list. Um, 
you know, it, it just, it, I don't know, like, are they trying to make us, do they want to have something to get us, like, all up in arms so we talk about it? I'm sure that if it was a list we all agreed with, uh, maybe it wouldn't garner the same attention on social media, on, on Twitter or uh, Facebook. Is that the reason behind this? Because Stone Cold being top talker, I mean, you could make the case the Austin 316 promo is the best promo ever. It is. I don't think it is. It's one of the best ever. But the best talker to me, you know, did it night in and night out and had very interesting and, you know, promos. And to me, like Stone Cold was a guy that got a little bit boring toward the end. Um, all the promos kind of blended together for me. And you know what? He gave us what chant, which I can't stand. As much as it may have been funny when he did it, uh, I cannot stand the what chant now. Uh, sometimes when they throw that what in, I'm like, you know, just just stop. Um, Here's a name that was left off the list. Nick Bockwinkle. Nick cool. Bockwinkle was, without a doubt, probably the best talker in the AWA when he was the AWA world champion. He didn't have to yell and scream, but he was so smart and intelligent with his words. I mean, people hated him because of the fact that he could come up with words you've never even heard of before that were in the English dictionary to describe a match, an angle, what have you. I mean, he, to ha- not have him on that list is, is, uh, is, is a crime. But, uh, you know, I do agree with you. Steve Austin, towards the end, the what chance it was – it was quite boring. No, I mean, now it's interesting with Stone Cold because Stone Cold, um, definitely one of those guys that they they want to market him as, as one of the greats, if not the greatest of all time. I know he wasn't number one on the, the list, but the WWE, you know, that's that's their guy. You know, look to Stone Cold. That's interesting because WWE Magazine came out with a list of the top, toughest WWE superstars of all time. Their top 20 toughest of all time. And Stone Cold was number one on that. Now, for WWE to release two lists pretty close to each other and have Stone Cold be number one on both lists, does this mean that Stone Cold is going to be coming back soon? Is he going to have a role in either going into SummerSlam or perhaps next year's WrestleMania? Is there another DVD coming out that they're looking to market? Because to me, these things don't happen by accident. There's no way the WWE released two different lists, both of which having Stone Cold number one on it, and do and that happens by accident. There's no way that's an accident. So there's something going on with Stone Cold. Now, it could be something as simple as, you know, maybe they're going to start hyping Tough Enough again and we're going uh, with the next season of Tough Enough. I don't know. But there does seem to be something involving Stone Cold that might be coming down the pike, and that's why he's number one on both these lists. Thoughts, Dave? Uh, it's interesting that you brought that point up. And here's a couple of interesting points I could bring up regarding your, your, your statement. Um, he's number one on the toughest guys listings number one on the, the biggest talkers list um this past week when that list came out cm punk went to twitter and talked about how it was a crime it's you know p- political favoritism of some sorts that roddy piper's not number one and and certain guys aren't on that list 
it's been public knowledge amongst the, 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 the internet wrestling community that CM Punk has been lobbying for a match with Steve Austin at a WrestleMania. He tried to get it for this past WrestleMania, and it didn't work out. And Austin is, was rumored to not wanting to have the match simply due to the fact that it was the Rock Cena match would have been hyped more than his match. It's rumored that the two of them are going to compete next year at WrestleMania. Um, and Austin has even publicly stated if he would ever get back in the ring and if the money was right and if the situation, the angle, and all the stars were aligned up properly, that it would be against a guy like CM Punk. So I find it quite interesting that this list, these lists came out. He's number one on both those lists. CM Punk goes to Twitter and makes a statement about those lists and his disagreement towards the towards the guys on the list. And then, you know, could it could it possibly be that they're setting up something between the two of them for you know twenty nine next year in uh, in the beautiful state of New Jersey? Who knows? That's something you got yeah, I mean, to play into. It's account. a good point. I mean, is it something with CM Punk? I mean, again, none of these things happen by accident, and, and, you know, maybe this is the case. I mean, that's the first thing that jumped out at me when I saw this Mike list, which is just an absolute shit show. I mean, I can't rip this list enough. I mean, it's 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 horrible show, and, and it's an insult to, to wrestling fans, uh, you know, how they, they compiled this list. I mean... You know, I, I mean, I see The Rock being up there, you know, but, I, I mean, where they had some of these guys, I, I mean, God, I mean, Santino being in there at 23, and, like, and I like Santino a lot. I, I really do. I, I think he contributes something. He's, you know, he's comic relief. That's what he is. And, and I enjoy him, but, I mean, to make this list, it, it, it's just, jeez, I, I know it's, it just doesn't make sense. It's hard for me to look. I'm looking at the list right now, and I'm just, you know, where do you go with it? I mean, there's there's nothing, you know, some of the guys maybe middle of the road. Like, I'm okay with Hogan being middle of the road as far as talkers go. Um, you know, but I, I, I think Million Dollar Man should be higher up on the list. Uh, I'm okay with The Rock being close to the top. Um, he doesn't quite crack my top five, but... Uh, you know, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to argue anybody who puts The Rock. And, and it's funny, even if they put The Rock in the number one spot, which I totally disagree with, because like I said, number one is Rhodes, Piper, or Flair, period. That's it. One of those guys is number one on the list. That being said, if you wanted to argue the case that The Rock is number one, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get mad at you. I, I'm really not going to think that's an absolute disgrace that he's top talker. I disagree, but, you know, I would almost understand that, especially with him coming back. I'd be like, all right, well, they're trying to market The Rock. I get it, him being number one on this list. Um, but Stone Cold being number one, I just it, it just boggles the mind how they, how they would go in, in that direction. You know, it, it just... It makes no sense. I'm okay. I know people were outraged. And I'd actually, I'd actually like to get your take on this, Dave. I'm okay with John Cena being on the list. Um, I, I don't I don't, I don't. put him near the top, and he'd probably be down on my list. He would not be in the top ten. But you know what? A guy who's been the guy for a big chunk of time, a guy who is uh, – you know, ran this era of professional wrestling uh, in the WWE – 
you know, and he has stepped up when he had to confront uh, CM Punk. He stepped up and he he gave us some good promos. He stepped up with The Rock and held his own with The Rock. Um, you know, in the past, when he first came in with his thugonomics, he gave us some good promos. I'm okay with John Cena being in the top 25. Uh, a guy who, you know, like I said, has been the top guy in this era you know, he has to be up there as far as his promo work. So I, I'm okay with him being on the list. I would probably have him in the 20s somewhere. What do you think? Yeah, I'm okay with him on the list, too. Um, the only reason why I'm okay with him on the list because, I mean, he doesn't do anything extraordinary on the microphone, but he's got a different range um, in terms of uh, promo styles. I mean, you could you, you mentioned the, the Thugonomics character where he basically rapped in his promos and it caught on and that's what really you know <clears throat> began the rise of John Cena before he made it to you know super duper star status um and then you got you know the 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 goofy John Cena character which we've publicly stated on numerous occasions that it's not the greatest and it's always used at the wrong times but it it, it elicits a reaction from the audience. I will say that. It's not like he's going out there and saying goofy stuff and nobody's responding. You know, the people are responding to it. They just they just use that portion of his promo skills at the wrong time. And then there's serious John Cena. The serious John Cena we saw in his lead-up towards his WrestleMania match this past year with The Rock and some of the serious stuff he did with Brock Lesnar and, and even with John Laurinaitis and, and in other cases as well in the past. So, yeah, I'm okay with him on the list, and I, I would agree with you in the high 20s. Here's another name that just came to me that could be on this list, that or should be on this list, I should say, Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette was, you know, a longtime manager for the Midnight Express. Neither of those guys could talk. Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton, or even when Dennis Condry was a part of the Midnight Express, neither of those guys could talk. They both needed charisma bypasses. They were just, you thought he was managing mutes. He sold that team. He sold every angle that they were in. Any guy that he managed, Yokozuna, he spoke for Yokozuna the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, Cornette was was the perfect mouthpiece in a lot of ways for many guys who couldn't talk. And to have not have that, to not have him on the list, that's another crime right there. There's, the, whoever wrote this list is a fucking repeated offender. And should be kicked in the balls like constantly on a daily basis till he quits or gets fired or whatever. What the fuck, man? God. This, this, yeah, it's this... funny because one guy I thought of who wasn't on the list also and and was Paul Bearer. And and it's funny because a few years back I met Paul and, and we were talking and I said to him, I said, you know, it's pretty amazing what you did for the Undertaker. I mean, early on when Taker didn't talk at all, you did a lot to put him over. And he did not want to take the compliment at all. He cared. He's like, no, 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 don't say that. Take her so talented. No. But, you know, every guy, every wrestler, every performer needs that mouthpiece. And when The Undertaker first came in and did no talking, uh, Paul Barrett did a lot, a lot to put that character over. When you're talking The Undertaker, one of the best, if not the best characters in the history of wrestling and Paul Barrett did everything to put that over. For him to not to be on the list, uh, too, is, is something that something of a travesty. And, you know, it's funny because we posted this on our Facebook page, and it's a Facebook 
dot com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Uh, just ask what people think. And you know what? Did not get a lot of positive. The TKRS universe uh, sharing our feelings. Everyone seems to be in agreement. Uh, comments on the page. Uh, Michelle DeGee just wrote she disagrees with the list. Michael Lancaster, Santino, Ms. Cena, and No Cornet disagree. There's a guy who's on on wavelength there, Dave. Uh, Colin McTiernan, I just hate now. Uh, they put current guys in there to make them look better than they are. Macho Man is number one for sure, though. So Macho Man Colin saying number one. Justin Henry, Piper is number one in reality. Uh, Dave Selinski, disagree in so many ways. Whoever makes these lists needs to be shot between the balls repeatedly. <laughs> Brett Pereiras, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, but Brett writes us, Piper, Macho Man, and The Rock should be the top three. I didn't know only stating what made you the greatest of all time. I might have to become a one-trick pony like that, too. So it's interesting. So collectively across the board, people do not like uh, this list. They think the list is, is weak. So it's an absolute. Let's go out to the calls. Tony, are you there? Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you today? All right. Uh, yeah, so, you know, about the top 25, yeah, I'm looking at it, too. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I mean, it's a fucking WWE list. I mean, you know, the thing is going to be, the thing is is going to be, you know, just bullshit, you know, no matter, no matter what to do with it. Uh, but, uh, I bet, yeah, I agree, you know, about, you know, like, uh, Steve Austin being number one, uh, I don't think so. I mean, that what chant, when he first, even when he first started, I was just like, I, I actually had the same reaction. I was like, what? What the fuck are they doing here? You know, I was like, even you know the guy, guys like um, Dave, you made a good point. I was thinking of him too, Jim Cornette. What, you know what, what? You know I don't know why the hell he's not on. He's probably not on here because he's uh, an ROH, and they're not. They're probably not going to put guys who were in there or in TNA on the list. You know like uh, you know because you know, like like a Bubba Ray. He's he's he's. I would put him on the list, but obviously he's a TNA, so they're not going to put him on there. But um, as far as me, the top, I'd probably go with like Piper, Macho Man, and The Rock. Uh, but another one that came to mind, uh, um, how come Shawn Michaels or Mr. Perfect aren't on this list? It's, I mean, uh, Dave, I'd like to hear your take on it. Um, Mr. Perfect, a, a good candidate, and you're right, not being on the list, another guy. You know, it's funny, when I started trying to compile my list, it was, it was tough for me, and I, I didn't want to completely do my list without really thinking of everybody. As far as Shawn Michaels go, I was never a real big fan of of his mic skills. I mean, maybe he cracks the top 25, but I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Um, I, and you know, I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan for his entering work. Not the greatest on the microphone. Um, as a heel, he was pretty good. I'll say that when he had his, when he had his runs against Bret Hart, when he was doing the DX run with Hunter early on before he, you know, lost his smile and retired. And then he came back. He was, you know, as a heel, he was good. Um, Kurt Henning, yeah, I could see him on that list. He was – Kurt Henning, to me, you know, they brought him in when he was Mr. Perfect, and he could talk real well, and he basically sold the gimmick without actually getting in the ring and doing it yet, and he just had to prove himself in the ring to the audience, and obviously he did because he was the closest thing to a perfect athlete out there. And they gave him the genius at first, uh, Lanny Popo, and I thought, well, you know, well, what does he need the genius for? And then they gave him Bobby Heenan – and Bobby Heenan, you know, 
is obviously a better talker than Kurt Henning, but Kurt Henning could have held his own without having a manager because of the fact he had Mike skills. But, you know, on 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 a, on a, on a side note, I put a deaf person on that list before I put the fucking Miz on that list, okay, <laughs> that, that, that could talk better, all right? Like I said, this list is ridiculous. Like, And I, I, I haven't compiled the list, but now I think I'm so inspired that when I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to sleep and dream about my top 25 talkers because – these people over at WWE.com have nothing else better to do than basically insult my intelligence by putting The Miz and uh, uh, Edge and uh, whoever the hell else is on that fucking list. My God, I'm sorry. I'm, come on, my language is terrible, but... Yeah, one that really stands out is, uh, you know, what the fuck is JBL doing on this list? No, nah, you know what? I could see JBL on that list. I mean, he, you know what? JBL was put in a position where he is, he was with the company for a long time. His APA run had basically gone its course, and they gave him something that he related to. You know what I mean? Like Bradshaw in, in you know, behind the scenes, he's well known for, you know, being smart with his money, knowing a lot about the stock market, and he's basically, he's been known to be somewhat of a locker room bully, and he's a very intelligent guy from what I hear. I mean, the guy lives in Bermuda, doesn't have to wrestle, he's almost in his 40s, and doesn't have to wrestle anymore, you know, because he saved his money so well, and, and, and was smart with it, and the guy... I mean, he drew a lot of heat. I mean, that Eddie Guerrero feud, a lot of people going into it were like, they're going to put Guerrero with this mid-carter? Like, this is a joke. Like, he even thought the same thing. But JBL grew into that role, and it, it helped, especially with his talking. I mean, he's just a – he's so intelligent, and the way he speaks, I mean, you know, he, he, he could draw some heat. So I could see JBL on that list. I don't have a problem with that. I, I, have, a, I have a problem with, uh, with uh, you know – Austin being number one, and where'd they, where'd they rank Hogan, if you don't mind me asking? Because I don't have the list in front of me. 13. 13. 13. The only reason yeah. why he's the team is because he's not working for the company right now. Notice how Ric Flair has gone yeah. from TNA, and he, I think he's number three or four, I want to say. He's number four. He's number four? Okay. Hogan runs four, yeah. TNA. Flair used to be in TNA. All of a sudden, Flair's number four. Flair's number four at the best talker, but he was he was tied for number 17 on that stupid DVD that the greatest wrestlers of all time. You know what I mean? It's all it's a political thing. If you don't work for the company right. or if you don't kiss Vince McMahon's ass, you're not higher up on the food chain. And but then think of that way, but let me interrupt you, Dave. But then, again, which is this list makes no sense. I mean, that would be great, but Dusty Rhodes, who has done a lot for the WWE, is number eight on the list, followed by John Cena at number seven. They must have had a blind chip put out that list. Honestly. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, who did this? I want to know I want to know this, this person who did this. This is a crime. Even the veterans on Memorial Day would be upset about this. For God's sake. Well, there's, there's, lot, there's a little heat on this list, which begs... You know, I, I'm curious, Tony, what you think. I, um, do you think they do, they do these lists purposely bad just to garner this sort of reaction so people are talking about it? You know, I don't know. I mean, I usually look at these lists and just like, okay, it's it's the WWE list. You know, it's not really going to be a legit, you know, uh, worthy. It's not going to be a legit top 25 list of, you know, guys that are really worthy. And even some of them are like Million Dollar Man is like number 22. I mean, what the hell? You know, I mean, it's just, you know, so it's, I, I just kind of see it as like, I don't know, maybe they pulled the number out of a fistball or something. I don't know what the hell they do. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, 
But I'm, I mean, uh, I mean, JBL though. I mean, if they put him ahead of uh, Macho Man, no, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I almost, uh, I, I almost had a breakdown when I saw that. They're at a loss for words. Yeah, I mean, it's not only the, just the, the the rankings. I mean, some guys like I'm okay with JBL being on the list, but where he is, uh, there might be a problem. But um, yeah, it, it's just, jeez, uh, I just don't know where they came up with this list. I mean, and like I said, the Miz being on the list is just ridiculous. Really? The Miz, the Miz being ahead of. Rick Rude and the Million Dollar Man is just, and Captain Lou Albano is, I mean, absolutely yeah. absurd. I, I mean, just this as much as we we dissected the top fifty superstars of all time, and uh, you know, I was not happy with that list. Thought uh, that list was ridiculous. Somehow, the WWE has topped themselves and and made a more ridiculous list. Uh, than than the top fifty superstars of all time, and it really is just a, again. I, I just find it. I, I hear what you're saying, Tony. That you know, it's it's a WWE list, and ultimately, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but yeah. I do feel like it's kind of insulting the intelligence of the wrestling fan. Yeah, well, because I mean, Vince has always thought that his, uh, you know, that the people who watch never really had anything uh, <laughs> upstairs. If you know what I'm getting at. What a dick. Yeah. Well, thank you as always for the phone call. Every you guys out there listening, remember Tony is our A plus blogger. He recasts all the shows, so if you miss show, you just want to hear Tony's take, be sure to go to the dot com. Check out Tony's blog, very thorough blog on all the shows, Impact SmackDown and Night Raw. Looking forward to hearing about your blog this evening. Tony as always, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. All right, I'll be back with the, I'll be blogging tonight too. Nice. Talk to you later. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, guys. And we'll go right back out to the calls. Caller, are you there? Yeah, I am. Hello? What's up? Oh, you know, I'm listening to the uh, the list and everything in the list. I, I think it's totally a travesty also, but when you're talking about uh, names that should be on the list that aren't, you know, somebody brought up Nick Bockwinkle, and to me, the first name that came to mind was like the anti-Nick Bockwinkle, the ultimate warrior. Half the time, you didn't know what the hell he was talking about. But you still glued to your TV. You wanted to hear what he was saying. You wanted to know what was coming up. And the same with Bischoff. At least you could understand what he was talking about. But he he struck a nerve with people. You either loved him or hated him. You bring up a really good name, bringing up Bischoff. And you know that... I mean, Vince McMahon is probably not going to allow Bishop to be on any WWE <laughs> list. But he did the Mr. McMahon thing before Mr. McMahon. Right. The guy who facilitated a lot of storylines, a guy who really knew how to garner heat. Um, a lot of guys you could take off this list uh, to, to add Eric Bischoff to the list. And, uh, yeah, you know, the Ultimate Warrior, I was not a big fan of his promo, but they were entertaining. And... Uh, you know, people really liked him. And, you know, the Warriors has got a bum rap over the years. But the guy was insanely popular back in the day and was exactly what the 80s uh, needed and wanted. I mean, the Ultimate Warrior was like the 1980s threw up and out came the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. Um, it was just the ultimate in 80s. I mean, if you could take someone who was just everything about the 80s, good and bad, rolled up into a ball, it was the Ultimate Warrior. Um Two really good names. What are your thoughts on those, Dave? 
Uh, you know what? The Ultimate Warrior, I'm not, like I, like you, Ken, I'm not a big fan of him. I mean, his promos were weird. You know, he'd tell you he'd run you over with a lawnmower, then go make a cheese sandwich, and after that he would, you know, take a dump, and then he'd run down to the ring and have his match <laughs> in 30 seconds, and that'd be the end of it, you know? like, But you didn't, you know, you, you, you couldn't really catch him from beginning to end. What he said, but all you know is that he was intense. You know, there was never, you know, a high or a low. It was what it was with Warrior, you know? there was it, he, That's what you got. Uh, Bischoff, yeah, Bischoff's a great, uh, another name, like you said. He was Mr. McMahon before there was a Mr. McMahon. And, um, it, it, I mean, don't get me started on this list, because I'm going to start throwing furniture <laughs> in my house. It's not going to be pretty, all right? Let's just let's just get off this list. I mean, you want to I do like this, the Ultimate Warrior uh, comments. You know, there are guys who would take, uh, that I put that I would take off this list and put the war on there. Again, I don't know if he'd crack my top 25, but... Entertaining, and that was the name of the game. But I, you know, if you had to ask me, you know, you're putting the Miz on your top 25, the Ultimate Warrior, I, I'd slot the Miz in there. You know, I'd probably slot the Miz in there over, I, I'd slot the Warrior in over um, Santino Morella. So, you know, those two guys right there, I definitely put the Warrior uh, on that list. And, you know, I do still go back on YouTube. And I think that that should be something as far as, you know, promos of all time. I'm back on YouTube, and I'll watch some of the Warriors' promos just for fun. Um, and they are entertaining as much as uh, they didn't make much sense uh, of it all. Uh, caller, if you were going to rank your number one guy of all time as far as Mike skills, who would it be? Oh, boy, that's a, that's a tough list. I think Flair needs to be at the top. Uh, to me, Flair, Hogan... The Rock, those guys just made me listen to whatever they were saying. And Dusty Rhodes and Piper definitely have to be there, too. But, man, you know, Flair could talk. He could read the phone book at you and make you really interested. <laughs> and Piper, Piper, whether you loved him or hated him, it was always a strong feeling. Piper, I... I didn't know what a heel was when I was when I was young enough to know that I hated Piper. Then, as I grew older and knew what, what he was actually trying to do, you know, I understood the phrase "you love to hate the guy because of Piper." I loved to hate him when he turned when he turned face. You know, I it didn't take well with me right away. It took me a while to come around to Piper as a face, but as a heel. He always struck a chord, and Dusty Rhodes, you know, if you don't dig this mess, you're in the wrong address. You know, it just made you, <laughs> it just made you listen. <laughs> so, I mean, those three in the point. top, yeah, but I got to get uh, Hogan and Rock some credit, too. Yeah, I mean, I guess that the point was just, you know, in, in a promo, uh, just to make you listen. And thanks a lot for the call. Hope to hear from you soon, caller. Um, you know, to make you want to listen, and and I do think going back in the day, I mean, you know, maybe we were spoiled, uh, you know, that that it was it was a golden era of of promos uh, back when you know in the 1980s. I mean, you know, a lot of those guys can talk, and they were all fighting for their spot, um, and and maybe that's what made the promos great um, and different styles of promos. Uh, one of the things with Hogan that I always thought was very interesting about his promos that uh, he doesn't get enough credit for. When you just dissect his promos, um, he always went into it with, you know, when all my Hulkamaniacs, or when my Hulkamaniacs give me the power, or when, and he was always referencing his Hulkamaniacs, and I always thought that was very profound, because he almost made it out to be, 
we were all in that ring with him. That he, as much as he was the ultimate champion and he was defending righteousness and, and honor in the world, um, it was us. He needed us to to help him through this. He needed his Hulkamaniacs. He couldn't have beaten Andre the Giant without us. And he kind of gave us, gave fans an ownership um, over what was going on in the ring. We thought, that, you know, symbolically, uh, we had something to do. We were on this ride with him. We were part of, you know, it wasn't just him. Hulkamania was all of us. We were all on this ride. And going forward, one of the most important promos in the history of wrestling, Hogan turning with NWO, uh, you know, if he shit the bed with that promo, who knows uh, where the NWO and WCW and the Monday Night Wars would have gone. Um, but he gives a kick-ass promo uh, on that night as well. So, you know, some of Hogan's skills, um, you know, I know it, it becomes fashionable, I think, to uh, bash Hulk Hogan, uh, whether it's his in-ring or his skills, but uh, his promo work was was really tremendous. And when you go back to the 80s and look at guys like Piper, Flair, Hogan, Dusty, all those guys could could give you a kick-ass promo. Macho Man, Andy Savage, uh, going a little later in the 80s with with The Warrior. Again, not making sense, but entertaining. Um, And even lesser guys, you know, Paul Orndorff, not best on the mic, could still give you an entertaining promo, could still give you some intensity. Uh, you know, you can't do that rivalry with Hulk Hogan, a very underrated program between the two of them. You can't do it just in the ring. you got to give some promos, and Mr. Wonderful gave some decent promos. Uh, Bundy was good for what he did. Uh, you know, there were a lot of guys in the 80s that really could grab the mic and, and captivate an audience, at least for a little while. Which, you know, nowadays, I mean, let me ask you, Dave, if you were going to go today, right now, 2012, uh, who's the best on the mic right now? Huh. Do we have all day? Because <laughs> I might have to really think about this one. I mean, it's a different era. I, and you know what? The closest thing I could say to being the best as far as captivating an audience, entertaining, and putting over a storyline right now, currently, I'd have to say Chris Jericho. I mean... I'm not going to argue, yeah. You know, I mean, there there really isn't much... I mean, unless you want to say CM Punk because he's dropped a few pipe bombs back in the day. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, the, the, the closest thing I can say is to the best right now would be Chris Jericho. That's, I mean, there's, and there doesn't really have anybody else that comes close to, you know, who can cut a better promo. I mean, Jericho's cut from that, you know, that, that, the, that old school, you know, mentality. You know, he, he went through the territory system and he learned the hard way and he learned how to cut promos the way that guys back in the day knew how to cut promos. Guys now that cut promos are getting handed a script from some fucking pimple-faced nerd in the back that, you know, is, is, is interning making seven bucks an hour working for the company. You know what I mean? Like, half of them don't even know what a, what a wrist lock from, a, from a, a, a wrist watch is, you know? And they all sound the same. Every single one of them all sound the same. There's no difference in anybody's promos nowadays. And, and it's a lost art. 
just what it is. Yeah, and I'll tell you something, man. You know, it, it, the quick answer nowadays is to go like, I mean, a lot of people want to say CM Punk. And, and you know, I have found CM Punk kind of boring, kind of corny. I, I find it interesting how the criticism, he was the anti-John Cena. But, you know, his interactions with Laurinaitis have been kind of corny. They've been kind of boring. Uh, his run with Jericho was really good. But, you know... I have kind of found Punk outside of last summer, which was tremendous. I can't say that I'm in love with his promo work as of late. Um, and I agree with you. I think, you know, the, the testament to a guy who's got great mic work is a guy that when you see them walking down to the ring and they grab hold of a mic, you kind of get a little excited. You're kind of sitting there going like, all right, what do they have to say? And I know it's not a BWE, but... You know, I would give that for Chris Jericho, but I'd also go with Bully Ray right now. Bully Ray is a guy that I get excited when he grabs a mic. I enjoy listening to him cut a promo. I think he's tremendous uh, giving a promo right now. Um, But if I could come up with a top five in the whole business right now, you know, it'd kind of be tough. I mean, I'd go, like, I'd probably go Jericho and Bully Ray. It'd be my top two. Um, After that, you know, and it's funny, as of late, I mean, I may rank a guy like Bobby Roode over CM Punk. I, I just have found Punk kind of uninteresting as of late, you know? So I, and just the way that, you know, things evolve, it's easy to be shocking once. You know, just ask Howard Stern. You know, he was shocking years ago. It's not so shocking anymore. You know, the pipe bombs were amazing last year. You know, when's the last time CM Punk really dropped a pipe bomb on us? You know, he's kind of giving us the same shtick uh, each and every week. And and what I have found interesting is if you listen last week, and we're going to get into talking about the pay-per-view last week, but what's interesting about Chris uh, with uh, CM Punk is when you listen to the crowd now, listen to the crowd that was chanting, for, half the crowd was chanting Daniel Bryan, half the, ch- the crowd was chanting CM Punk. You heard of Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk. All right, that chant was going on. Back in the, you know, when when Punk and Cena were were rivals, people used to comment that you could tell the John Cena chant was higher pitched. The Cena chant was women and children, and, and the Cena sucks chant was men. If you listened last week... Those same fans, those John Cena fans, those women and children, that was the high-pitched chant was for CM Punk. CM Punk was getting the John Cena chant last week, and the men were chanting for Daniel Bryant. So slowly but surely, CM Punk has become a tattooed version of John Cena, which begs the question, is this just the way WWE Creative wants to go with things is how they want their stars to be. If they're going to put CM Punk in the forefront of the company, of perhaps being the face or one of the faces of the company, do they want you to be corny and benign? Because I really, I mean, CM Punk, to me, I don't get excited when he grabs Mike, and I especially don't get excited when he's confronting John Laurinaitis. Because when he's... When he busts out clown shoes, I mean, really, is is anyone else finding this interesting? Is this entertaining? Because I have punk somewhat corny. So I don't really go much beyond Jericho and, and Bully Ray right now as far as being guys that I get really, really excited 
to hear what they're going to say on, on the microphone. Your thoughts, Dave? Punk, yeah. He can, be, can come off as corny sometimes, but the difference between Punk and most of those guys are is that, yeah, Punk may say some corny things, but he doesn't sound like everybody else. Punk's got his own own unique sound and his verbiage and, and his style of, of, of a promo. It's, you know, angry slash sarcastic at the same time, uh, you know, witty in some ways at times. Um, you know, the, the, the lines he threw at Kevin Nash back last last fall, um, you know, were, were pretty humorous. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do agree with you. Yeah, he can be a cornball sometimes when uh, – when he's out there, especially with John Laurinaitis. I mean, I think that was just, I think a lot of that stuff that he does, especially with Laurinaitis, I mean, some of those references are backstage references, like when they call him, you know, a dynamic dude. Obviously, a lot of people know Laurinaitis was one of the dynamic dudes in WCW with Shane Douglas, another failed gimmick and uh, that WCW had created, and Laurinaitis was in that position. Um, but a lot of that stuff, I think, you know, is the fact that, when Punk re-signed with them last year, I think I'm assuming, and I don't know any details, but I'm assuming one of the terms and the conditions were, you know, don't give Punk like a scripted promo. Almost give him like the bullet points that he's, you know, that he's got to go over, and let him kind of, you know, do his own style of it, and let him get it over, as opposed to some kid that's handing him a sheet five minutes before he's supposed to go out there to have him read it over kind of thing. I'm, I'm thinking maybe that was one of the terms or the conditions in the contract or they just said, you know what, let's just give this guy some freedom to go out and say what he wants, you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, if he lowered the, if he, if he lowered the corniness, then maybe I'd put him up there as being the best talker right now. I mean, everybody, you know, every Internet mark that's a CM Punk fan will probably say that Punk should have been at the top of that list that WWE put out and, you know, they all get hard when, you know, they all get their dicks hard when everyone says pipe bombs. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, so, I mean, I, like I said, if I talk about this list anymore, I'm going to destroy my house. So, <laughs> so you're like, just, just curious, like, you know, right off the top of your head, um, in, in the business right now, like your, your, your top three. Top three as in, like, talkers or top three overall? No, talkers. Talkers? Um, Jericho, one. I'd put, uh, I'd put Bully Ray at two. Three is a tough one. You know, I might get some heat for this, but I'd put John Laurinaitis at number three. Wow. As much as, oh, I'm, see, I'm giving heat. you heat. Yeah, I'm drawing heat. I'm gonna, let, let, <laughs> hope I can talk some people into the seats. Um, as much as he can make screw-ups at times, I think that they've, you know, like I said last week, they've taken those screw-ups that he's made and they've added that tweak to his character that he could be, you know, um, you know, that he can be clumsy with his words and his sentences at times. He's He is drawing a lot of heat. You know, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. You know, I mean, there was one promo I think he cut, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, um, regarding John Cena. And it's funny, too. It's funny that I bring this up because I just watched a video from uh, uh, Shane Hurricane Helms on uh, his Twitter 
Um, he, he, he tweeted this video, a video of um, a, a Laurinaitis promo, how he, he, the title of the video says, I literally laughed out loud. And Laurinaitis basically said, if you're a fan of, just the way he said it, just garnered so much heat. He goes, if you were a fan of John Cena, essentially, you were all losers. And the way he said it, the whole place erupted and booed. And I, just the way he said it, I laughed at it. But I could see why, you know, casual wrestling fans would find that to be, you know, uh, offensive of, of, of some sorts. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I would I would safely put him in the top three. He's, you know, he's the he's the biggest heel on Raw. He's garnering heat from, from, the, from the people, and nobody likes him. And every time he touches the microphone, before he can even say anything, people start booing. So I, I, I could safely put him in the top three right now. It's not, you know, it's funny because he didn't jump to mind, but I, I can't argue with the, the heat he's he's garnered. Um, you know, he's he's been pretty pivotal uh, at most major storylines going on right now. Um, you know, it's kind of a poor man's Vince McMahon, but it's definitely, you know, where Vince McMahon's promo style was very demonstrative and uh, uh, big bully. Uh, it, it is an interesting take on uh, the the smarmy. Uh, Boss type character, um, you know, and, I, and I'm enjoying too. Uh, I agree with you. It seems like now they're going, kind of going with it. Uh, some of his limitations on the mic, they're kind of just going with, uh, which is working for him. Um, and I do love the fact. I love people power. I think people power is a a great promo gimmick uh, to come out here and and say that he's doing this all for the people and continuing to satisfy his own uh, selfish desires. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, his promos have been good. Um, another name, and, and he she would have made my list, but Vicky Guerrero, uh, I would put up there as far as Mike's skills right now, today. Um, Vicky's up there, and, and I'd probably go into TNA. I'd probably go, uh, you got to look at Bobby Roode and what he's done uh, as late as uh, the focal point of that company. Uh, being the longest-running heavyweight champ in TNA history. Uh, I look forward to when he grabs a mic. Uh, He's not tremendous on the the mic, but I've enjoyed his character. It's it's edgy. It's different. It's a a fun heel character. It's a a classic heel champion kind of of thing. So, uh, you know, all those people I would would put up there, which, again, begs the the question that, you know, we're we're talking about this, and others are putting some punk in the... uh, Top three, which is interesting because I agree with you. I think the, the the snap judgment right now is to jump out and say that CM Punk is the tops uh, in the business right now on the microphone, and uh, I I don't think he is. Uh, I, I don't think he sniffs the top three right now. I, I I've just found him kind of uninteresting as of late. Um, it's not to say he doesn't have a skill set. Uh, you know, I've just I've kind of found it a, a bit uninteresting. It should be interesting if they ever decide that they want to go back to a a heel CM Punk, because um, I did find his promo work as a heel tremendous. Uh, you know, his uh, straight edge society and all that stuff. Um, you know, I thought was interesting, and uh, you know, kind of it's funny because he you know, his whole I'm better than you because I don't eat and I don't I don't. Uh, take drugs and I don't drink caffeine and all that other stuff. Uh, very, very um, similar to what uh, Sandow is doing right now. Uh, even so far as the large beard that he has coming down to the ring. So 
it's interesting. Sandow I find kind of entertaining. Uh, some decent promo work. We're talking about promo work here. Um, kind of a, a, a combo if uh, Straight Edge Society, CM Punk, and uh, the genius Lanny Poffo had a child, uh, it might be Damien Sandow. What do you think of that, Dave? Uh, I do like Sandow's uh, promo work. You know what he kind of reminds me of? A toned-down, sophisticated version of uh, Bob Backlund. When Bob Backlund used to come up with all them, you know, crazy words, and he'd read stuff out of the dictionary, and uh, when he was doing the crazy gimmick that he had for a little while, um, the Mr. Backlund gimmick. Um, I like Sandow. Um, I watched his match with uh, Yoshitatsu, and um, what what I am liking about WWE is, like, they seem to... I don't know if they have a mic underneath the ring or if the cameras and the microphones on the on the cameras are, are you know, uh, better with the sound. But you hear you hear the guys talking a lot, and that's what you normally really wouldn't hear too much back in the day. And Sandow was in the corner, and Yoshitatsu kind of went after him, and uh, Sandow just kind of had this, like, sarcastic, like, hey, ref, do your job, do your job. He's touching me. Like, he's yeah, that was guarding. awesome. That was hilarious. He, yeah, I found that funny. I mean, he's got, you know, he's he's garnering uh, a good amount of heat. Um, you know, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with it. Um, you know, I I I liked it first how I think it was the first week the first week he came out and said that he wasn't going to wrestle because somebody wasn't worthy enough to be his opponent and then last uh, Last week he was going to wrestle Tatsu, and Tatsu wasn't worthy enough, and he said a bunch of words that I can't even pronounce, and the crowd booed him. And then this week he finally had his match with Tatsu. I would have liked to have seen that going on a little longer, similar to what Jericho did when he first came back uh, in January with the not even speaking um, for a couple of weeks, not even doing anything. Um, that would have been interesting um, if, if uh, Sandow did that instead. But I like Sandow, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to see where they're going with him. I think it's got a lot of potential. Yeah, it's interesting right now because, uh, you know, a newer guy, and it, it does seem that um, over uh, the years, like a lot of the newer guys do not have uh, promo skills, and uh, it's kind of a different uh, take. It's a, it's a different look, uh, definitely. And I did, I got such a kick out of some of the stuff he was yelling while he was in the ring. And when he was yelling, do your job. Um, I thought that was kind of cool because it kind of gave a little uh, uh, cowardice to his character, which uh, you know gives it some depth. He's he's kind of a kind of a dick, kind of arrogant, uh, kind of posturing, but he's looking for the ref to bail him out. So a little little cowardice, a little uh, you know trying to cut corners where he can. So you know definitely all good heel qualities and definitely things that uh you know, should sell well for the character. Um, should be interesting where exactly they go with the character because right now, um, you know, they got some new faces coming forth on the WWE. Um, they got some new guys, some uh, new talent. Um, and, you know, very few of them have, like, that, that promo uh, skill set, which is, uh, you know, it's a shame. And like I said before, uh, when you go back into the 80s, um, you know, there were a lot of guys that, could, that would definitely cut you a good promo, whereas nowadays uh, those guys are few and far between. Uh, you know what, Dave? we got to get off this list because we're going to start throwing things. We're going to start hitting people. We're going to be angry people. We're going to go postal somewhere. So 
Why don't we take a break, regroup, and Dave, why don't you give us the Dave 5 50-50 update? Thank you very much, Kenny. To the Dave 5 top stories in the week of professional wrestling. Our first story to Dave 5 this week comes from TNA Wrestling, as nature boy Rick Flair has left the company. Sources say there's been a long-standing rift with Flair and TNA officials for a while now, citing some public incidents with Flair at the Orlando Hard Rock Cafe involving Flair running multiple car tabs and not being able to pay them, forcing the establishment to inform TNA officials who then put up the money to cover the tab. So this has also forced the Hard Rock Cafe to ban Flair from the establishment, saying that Flair's behavior was, in a, was a matter in question that wasn't tolerated at the Hard Rock Cafe. Another incident that caused his departure stems from a recent segment on Impact Wrestling where he was named a judge in the Gut Check Challenge, the segment where aspiring wrestlers compete in a tryout match to hopefully obtain a contract with TNA. Blair has went off script and voted yes to hire Alex Silva, when apparently it was written he was supposed to vote no. The final straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was when Flair was advertised to appear on a swing of house shows in Louisiana a few weeks back, but no shows. As of now, Flair is still under contract with TNA until the fall, so we won't be able to see him on other wrestling programming until then. Sticking with TNA Wrestling, our next story is another departure from the company, as Alex Shelley, one half of the Motor City Machine Guns, has decided to part ways now that his current deal has expired. No reason as to why he is leaving, but rumors have been circulating that WWE is interested in using him for their cruiserweight-style show that is supposed to be on the new WWE Network once that launches in the fall. Our third story. Chris Jericho has been suspended by WWE for 30 days for denigrating the Brazilian flag at a recent WWE live event in San Paulo, Brazil. Before his match with CM Punk, Jericho had grabbed the Brazilian flag and kicked it to garner some heat from the audience. Then as the match began, a referee ran down to the ring and spoke with the in-ring official, informing him that Jericho must publicly apologize. Jericho then informed the crowd of his apology and continued the match. After the match was over, Brazilian law enforcement officials were then waiting for Jericho to arrest him, as it is against the law in the country to denigrate the flag. WWE officials calmed down the situation and then took Jericho off the rest of the tour and sent him home and publicly announced his suspension. Jericho was quoted on Twitter saying, I'm done with WWE. Some believe that this was the best way to take him off television as it has been rumored his current deal is set to run out very soon. However, Jericho has been known to keep certain aspects of the wrestling business under wraps and attempt to work the internet wrestling community. TNA Wrestling is suing WWE. Yeah, that's right. You heard it here, folks. TNA states that Brian Wittenstein, a former office employee of TNA, disclosed confidential information which he gathered from his time in TNA from 2008 to 2011 upon his arrival to WWE, where he briefly worked for this year in 2012. The confidential information... That's in question, such as talent contractual details that would enable WWE to post TNA talent, as well as advertising and marketing strategies that TNA uses. Wittenstein was fired from WWE recently, and WWE informed TNA of the release. However, TNA took legal action, especially after the Ric Flair drama and his open relationship with some higher-up officials in WWE. Put the two and two together, TNA figured WWE was out to wipe them off the wrestling scene. WWE attorney Jerry McDevitt was quoted as saying, 
WWE never told Mr. Wittenstein to share information about his previous employer. To us, it's a no-good-deed-goes-unpunished kind of thing. They sued us for doing the right thing. The first hearing in court is scheduled for June 11th. And our final story of the week involves more legal ramifications regarding the WWE as former AWA Tag Team Champion Pretty Boy Doug Summers is suing WWE for using archival AWA footage containing his likeness and matches without his consent. Despite the fact that WWE owns the AWA video library, Summers notes in the suit that he appeared on four DVDs, WWE classics on demand, books, and other materials, but never agreed to do so. Summers is specifically suing the WWE for invasion of privacy, unauthorized use of intellectual property, unjust enrichment, and a violation of the Georgia Uniform Deceptive Trade Practices Act. However, WWE states that since they own the entire AWA library and the copyrights, they feel free to use the footage however they wish. They have also made claim that Summers was paid to perform, numerous performances are being filmed, and is not claiming copyright ownership of the character. Furthermore, they also state that any use of Summers' name and likeness were related to telling a factual and newsworthy story. No word on if or when these legal proceedings will take place. And indie wrestling fans, NEFW presents Cruel Summer, June 16th, from Chicopee, Massachusetts, at the Boys and Girls Club of Chicopee. Scheduled to appear, former ECW champion Jerry Lynn, former WWE Intercontinental Tag Team Champion Marty Jannetty, and WWE Hall of Famer Tony Atlas. Go to NEFWOfficial.com for more details on that event, Saturday, June 16th, bell time, 7 p.m. Ken, that's the day five top stories of the week in wrestling. Let's get this show on the road. Back to you, brother. On Friday, June 1st, and Saturday, June 2nd, Pro Wrestling Syndicate presents its five-year anniversary, live from the Rahway Rec Center in Rahway, New Jersey. Already signed two-day spectacular is international wrestling legend Vader, the hardcore icon Tommy Dreamer, Hall of Famer, the Birdman, Coco Beware. Legendary manager Slick, the doctor of style, and high-flying icon, Two Cold Scorpio. Also announced are pro wrestling syndicate superstars, Death Machine, Emmy Callahan, Anthony Neese and Davey Richards, and fan favorites, Teddy Hart, Ring of Honor tag team, the Briscoe Brothers, and the team of reality checks, Devin Moore and Kevin Matthews. And let's not forget the tag team superpowers, the powers of pain, and former WCW superstar PN News. In Diva's action, we have former Diva Maria Canellis, TNA knockout Rosita, and Annie Social. Also scheduled are unorthodox tag team legends, the Nasty Boys, Hall of Famer and former Intercontinental Champion Tito Santana, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, and Mexican wrestling hero and Hall of Famer Mil Mascaris. And then Saturday Night Exclusives, Alexis Nevea and Brittany Savage. Fitness guru Simon Dean. Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. And finally, making a rare American appearance, Japanese wrestling icon Kai and the one and only Great Buddha. Pro Wrestling Syndicate's five-year anniversary comes to you live June 1st and 2nd at the Rahway Rec Center in Rahway, New Jersey. Check us out on iPay-Per-View or be there live. For tickets, call 1-800-838-3006 or visit ProWrestlingSyndicate.com.
Yeah, and the indie scene is alive and well. Happy to be a part of it. Um, yeah, as Dave mentioned, the June 16th show, NEFW, um, Chicopee Boys and Girls uh, Club, sponsored by the Ken Reedy Show. So be sure to go and check that out. Uh, proud to be a part of the indie wrestling scene. And you have tuned in to the Ken Reedy Show. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. The best in pro wrestling talk. You got an opinion? You got something you want to say? You got something you want to get off your chest? Well, give us a call, 347-838-9815. You can also check us out on Twitter, at The Ken Reedy Show, Facebook.com, slash The Ken Reedy Show, archive shows and blogs at TheKenReedyShow.com. And the big event we have coming up shortly in two weeks, June 11th. We're going to be doing a special Raw pregame show. There's a special Raw that night, three hours, 8 to 11 o'clock. We're going to be covering that show top to bottom that night. Dave is going to be out in Hartford, Connecticut, getting some crowd feedback, crowd reaction, get a feel of what's going on out there in Connecticut. And I'm going to be going live at the Pep Mill South. That's it, live. Monday night, June 11th, I will be at the Peppermill South in Congress, New York, 6 to 8 p.m., doing the show from that great establishment. Come on down, have a drink with us, uh, grab some food. They have great food there. And then they're going to be showing Monday Night Raw. That's right, they will have the sound on. I know it's important wrestling fans. We've talked to ownership, and they'll have the sound on, and we'll watch Monday Night Raw from 8 to 11 o'clock. You got the Ken Reedy Show, 6 to 8 p.m., and you got Monday Night Raw from 8 to 11. Scheduled to appear that night, we got stand-up comic Earl Sickle, who's a big wrestling fan, does an incredible Ric Flair impression, will be calling in that night. And Jerry Lynn uh, will be giving us a buzz that night. And we're still working on booking some guests, so it's going to be a real fun night. And you know what? If you can't find Dave in Hartford, and and you can't make it to the panel that night, well, you can always tune in on blogtalkradio.com slash the Ken Reedy Show, and be sure to give us a call then. But right now, give us a call now at 347-838-9815. Let us know what you're thinking. You know what, since before we get into anything new, I am going to go right out to the calls. Are you there, caller? Hello? Hello. Hey, how are you guys? Good, and how are you? I'm good. Um, I just wanted to call because uh, I was watching SmackDown the other night, and I believe it was Daniel Bryan came running down to the ring, and he gave like 20 or so chair shots to Kane. Am I right? Am I remembering it correctly? Uh, yes, yes you are, caller. Okay, because the weekend was a little long, and there was a lot of alcohol involved, so you know I'm kind of uh, <laughs> not remembering as much as I should from the weekend and I, and my voice sounds like Dave Rosenbluth after WrestleMania last year. Um, <laughs> I've been Dave. Um anyway, who are you again? <laughs> um, I don't know, I'm just a caller. Um anyway, it, it brought to my attention after you know this this happened that you know Big Show is fired, this whole grand firing, they make him cry, they make him you know, beg for his job just for making fun of of Laurenitis' voice, which doesn't sound that much different than mine right now. Um, and then you have Seamus being fined, like, however many thousands of dollars for taking out a ref, but then, you know, the WWE powers that be or the refs, whatever, they, they, um, they allow 
they allow uh, Daniel Bryan to come running down and, and repeatedly beat the crap out of Kane with a, with a chair, even though it wasn't during an actual match. But but do you guys have any comments on you know the double standard that they use as far as the rules go in in different matches and different scenarios, you know, across all the shows and pay per views? Uh, it's a great point. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I, you know, it is interesting because, and, and it is a good jumping off point, and, and we can talk about some stuff that happened on the pay-per-view of Monday Night Raw. Um, there are some inconsistencies in the writing that you would hope that the ring team would take a, a more serious look at uh, when they're when they're looking at things. Uh, interesting point brought up by the caller. Uh, yes, there's a... Um, you know, uh, Sheamus gets uh, fined uh, for what he does. Uh, Daniel Bryan, as of yet, not punished for the shots. Uh, other things also for uh, uh, concussion consciousness. Uh, we've heard of Twitter. Randy Orton said that his uh, kick to the head has been outlawed right now, but yet the bro kick uh, is still in existence. And the the biggest uh, offense really was uh, creative dropping the ball this past weekend when a stipulation stated that any WWE employee, any superstar interfering on the behalf of uh, John Laurinaitis at the pay-per-view uh, would result in Laurinaitis losing and being fired in that superstar. I'm trying to remember exactly what the stipulations, but perhaps that superstar being fired and John Laurinaitis comes in and says. Uh, well, I rehired Big Show Saturday night, which technically would make him a superstar, which technically would make those st- stipulations uh, go into effect. Uh, I think all of us were thinking you know, that, all right, well, he's going to be hired after the fact. He earned his job back. But Laurinaitis screws up and says on uh, Monday Night Raw that he hired back on Saturday night. A caller brings up good points. Uh, does WWE create need to be uh, more observant and more adherent and uh, more focused on exactly what they're putting out there? Uh, well, yeah, caller does bring up a good point. Absolutely, I do agree with you. But regarding Kane, let's face it. When you light a casket on fire in public and you try to burn somebody, you burn an announcer alive, you tombstone the owner's wife of the company, uh, and, you know, you, you, you try to you, you throw a guy off of a stage in a wheelchair, you throw a guy off of a loading dock onto the concrete floor. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's got it coming, okay? He should be lucky he's got a goddamn job, all right? You know, the Daniel Bryan 20 chair shots to him, that's a walk in the park compared to what Kane has done to people over the years, Okay. So as far as the inconsistencies, absolutely. But I think the inconsistencies aren't meant to be inconsistencies in terms of, you know, the writing itself. I think that's more or less on the character of John Laurinaitis kind of letting things go and just letting certain things fly. But, you know, obviously he's, you know, he's uh, – uh, Randy Orton's a babyface. His punk's getting uh, the, the 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 punk kick to the head's getting banned. Um, Sheamus got fined five hundred grand for kicking a ref. Um, but Daniel Bryan's supposed to be a heel, so nothing really happened there. Um, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Like I think it's along the lines of like uh, it, it may come off as inconsistencies to us, uh, smart fans, but at the same time, um, he's not you know telling any of the babyfaces to tone down their or the heels, I should say, to uh, you know tone down their act or finding any of them for doing any, you know, uh, reprehensible uh, things. Um, 
outside of the ring. So, I mean, it, there's been inconsistencies all over the place with the writing over the years. I mean, let's uh, come on, you know. Right now, you know, Jer- yeah, gr- granted, Chris Jericho's gone, but he had a few to see him punk. You know, from basically when he got back till you know shortly after Extreme, you know, till Extreme Rules. Next time Jericho comes back, he might be a babyface, and then they're going to book him in a tag match with CM Punk, and they're not even going to acknowledge the fact that Jericho said all these disparaging things about Punk's father being a booze bag and his sister being a coke whore and his mother, you know, having him before she got married and stuff like that. They're just going to, you know, for the sake of putting the two of them together to put over a new angle. You know what I mean? They do stuff like that all the time. How many times have Undertaker and Kane practically tried to kill each other, burn each other alive, throw each other in the back of a hearse, off the top of hell in the cell, whatever, you know, all kinds of crazy shit. And then the next time you see the two of them, all of a sudden everything's cool. They're like, you know, they're, they're, they're brothers again. They're pals. I mean, come on, give me a break. You know well, that, I mean? that's Sometimes, just, I mean, that's just family. You know, that happens what, in family. You know what? With the day my brother tries to throw me into a burning vehicle or a casket <laughs> on fire, and then I somehow make it out alive and I see him again, we ain't going to be, you know, breaking bread and exchanging Christmas cards, okay? I'm going to beat the shit out of him. That's how it is. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't forget stuff like that. Apparently Undertaker and Kane do. So, see, I mean, it's interesting you know, there, there are certain inconsistencies that you accept as a wrestling fan and certain ones that you just look at and like, all right, now you're treated like I'm an idiot. And, and uh, there are some inconsistencies, although, it, it, you know, we've talked about it and, and the product has been better, uh, I think, you know, especially having gotten really that, that huge WrestleMania hangover. Uh, but some inconsistencies are, are not not acceptable, uh, and they're not good. You know, it does happen. You're right. Like, I could see Jericho coming back, and all of a sudden he's a face, and he's with Sam Punk. And, and even right now, you know, Christian came back, and everyone loves him. You know, and he's a face. I mean, this this is wrestling, and that's what happens. Certain inconsistencies, though, are, are unacceptable. And the the Laurinaitis Big Show debacle, uh, that was just a bad, bad, bad piece of writing. Uh, to miss that, uh, and I know even on the Ken Reedy show on the Facebook, we were all... Uh, putting our comments on, on Monday Night Raw, and we're uh, every week, if you'd like to join us uh, tonight even, uh, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Uh, every week we, uh, you know, we all discuss on, on Monday Night Raw. We have a little discussion thread going and uh, give feedback. And immediately when Leonidas said uh, that he hired Big Show Saturday night, immediately we started uh, going back and forth, like, wait, that that means he's a superstar. He shouldn't have, been, he couldn't interfere with all the stipulations and the the board of directors. And, and rumor has it that you know the reason why there was that quick fix uh, from Michael Cole was that Twitter blew up, that everyone was criticizing because of the inconsistency in the writing, and they had a quick fix right there. But that's something writing has got to pick up on. I mean, that's not. That's a, a small screw-up. That's a colossal fuck-up. I mean, you can't miss that. Uh, you know, and that's something, you know, we talk about wrestling inconsistencies. There's always going to be stuff. And, and even in the past, you know, wrestling has poked fun at themselves. You know, back uh, a few years back when Triple H looked at Kofi Kingston and asked him where his accent went. Um, you know, shit like that happens in wrestling, but... Uh, that, that, to me, was a really, really bad 
a screw up on on their part, and uh, you know I, I really disappointed in in how that went. Uh, your your thoughts on the whole Lauren Ida seen a big show thing? Oh Christ. Do I want to break more furniture in my house? Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty – this place is going to be destroyed in a few minutes. Um, <clears throat> anyhow, yeah, no, it was it was, it was was a big mistake. Absolutely. I mean, I think even Laurinaitis kind of caught himself at the end when he realized, because he kind of stuttered when he said, I hired Big Show on Saturday, Saturday like kind of like that, and he was like, oh, shit, I screwed up, you know? Like, I mean, granted, they saved themselves with the Twitter thing and, you know – Michael Cole, I mean, that was a smart move because if it wasn't said, we'd all be – I mean, we're still outraged now about it, but, I mean, it would be ten times worse, you know what I mean? We'd be banging down the doors of Titan Towers and Stanford be like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing, you know, if that was the case? Um, but, I mean, they see themselves it's not a – it's not a huge – I'm sorry? We'd have pitchforks and torches marching to Stanford. That's right. That's right. Well, we're going to start a new movement. Um, but the uh, – you know, they saved themselves. I mean, they could have done, you know, they could have said, you know, well, I mean, they could have, you know, Lauren Hayes could have said, you know, this is the guy I hired back this morning. We made a verbal agreement on Saturday night, blah, 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 in our hotel room. They could have even, you know, maybe maybe they could have even shown footage of, like, the hotel lobby cameras or something on Saturday night of Big Show and Lauren Hayes meeting. But, I mean, even Big Show's excuse that, like, the people didn't, like, the people didn't support him or whatever. The people didn't show any sympathy from when he was crying. Let me tell you something, okay? In real life, a person like myself, if my boss were to publicly humiliate me and fire me in front of everybody, okay, in front of everybody that I work with, made it known, and got me on my knees crying, begging for my job, I'm not going to go back. Why would Big Show even go back? I mean, he made you cry, you big dummy. Like, why would you even think about wanting to go back? Like, he put you on your knees. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get that. That's the other thing I don't get about it. Like, he he, he took his job back. For what? Because he needed the job. Do you think most wrestling fans feel that Big Show really needed his job? Like, it was some minimum wage 9-to-5 job that he has working for the WWE? Come on. Like, they make it look like that. Like this is just a regular job. This ain't no regular job. They're big superstars. They got big contracts. The, the Brock Lesnar storyline is all about, you know, big con- a big contract, you know, issue. I mean, it's not like Big Show's, you know, well, you know, you know poor, and if he loses his job, him and his wife are going to lose everything they have. I mean, come on. Like, that Shawn Michaels thing from a few years ago with JBL, where he was forced to work with JBL because he needed a job. You know, I mean, give me a break. Like, you really think that people think that, like, you're under contract with the company. All of a sudden, now you're under contract with JBL. Like there's just stuff like that. That, that that just bothers me. It's like I don't I don't get it. Continue. <laughs> I'm annoyed. What did you think of the just just curious your thoughts? Uh, over the limit, not one of the big four pay per views. Um, you know what, what were your thoughts on it? I thought it was a solid, good show. Um, the crowd was into it. Um, uh, the uh, you know the tag match was good. I thought the battle royal wasn't bad. I liked how they kind of added that at the last minute on the pre-show um, and put Christian in there. It was kind of a good way to reintroduce him back to TV. Um, 
I don't mind Christian as a baby face, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with him and Cody Rhodes. It looks like they're going to have another series of matches. That match was pretty solid, pretty good match from the both of them. You really couldn't expect a bad match from the two of those guys. Um, the the four-way match was awesome. I thought the four of them were great. I'm not, you know, like you, I'm not a huge fan of uh, triple threats and four-ways, but each guy got their opportunity to really shine, and uh, they all worked well with different styles together. And you know, Sheamus coming out on top, winning. Uh, even though I didn't pick him to win, I picked Orton to win. Um, I like the fact that they're gonna, you know, they're really pushing hard to make Sheamus a a, a household name um, in wrestling, which I thought was cool. The Daniel Bryan CM Punk match. You know, every Ring of Honor fan and internet mark. They're, they're, they they went into it saying it was going to be the match of the night, and you know for once they were right. It was it was the match of the night in my opinion. I thought it was a really good match, and even the crowd's energy, where they were chanting for Brian and chanting for Punk too, back and forth, like you mentioned earlier. I thought that was great. Um, what else did they have on that show? Uh, well, I got Cena Laurinaitis. Well, Cena Laurinaitis, yeah. I mean, we all know how that ended. I mean, um, you didn't you 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 couldn't expect a. Uh, you know, uh, uh, an even even matchup between the two of them. So, I mean, Cena beating him up. I thought it was kind of cool that Cena put him at the Spanish announce table and they started, he started doing the Booker T, um, you know, Michael Cole exchange. And uh, uh, it would have been funnier if Cena said something in Spanish considering he was sitting at the Spanish announce table. But be that as it may, parts of that stuff was entertaining. You knew something was going to happen because he basically had the advantage the whole time and then something screwy was going to take place when Laurinaitis left and came back. And um, I mean, it was a solid show. I can't complain. It really wasn't a bad match. I think, if I remember correctly, Ryback wrestled um, a match on the card too, I think, right? Am I correct? Yeah, it was riveting. It was amazing. He did? Uh, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm already bored with him. Well, I, I do think, you know, good. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I could agree with you. Yeah, he could be boring at times. Ryback, I mean, I know they're trying to go with that Goldberg thing. He's got an impressive look, and, uh, you know, he's, he's impressive with his moves. What I thought was really impressive, not what he did at the pay-per-view, but what he did on SmackDown the other night. When he I will agree with you there. Yeah, that was impressive. Two guys up in that muscle buster type, both of them at the same time, I was like, that's pretty cool. I was like, but, I mean, impressive. he's not not going to be able to do that to, like, Adolph Ziggler and a Jack Swagger at the same time, unless he's really juicing it and he's on the he's on the gas. But, I mean, overall, top to bottom, it was a solid show. I didn't care for the finish of the main event, but at the same time, I'm not, like, outraged about it because Laurinaitis' character can be entertaining and draw some heat. So I didn't expect Laurinaitis to go anywhere out of that match. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully, uh, you know, Tonight's Raw will be better than last week's, and, uh, you know, uh, looking forward to uh, what else they got in store for the No Way Out pay-per-view. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the problems I have right now with uh, Ryback, and it was impressive. I, I will, you know, it's funny because I am kind of getting bored with him, but I, 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 when he lifted those two guys up, I, 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 I don't want to say I marked out, but I was kind of, wow, like that's cool. Um the problem is there's, there's too many guys uh, squashing. There, there's a squash fest going on right now in the WWE. And, you know, one guy, you're trying to sell the, the new big guy, the new uh, big, scary, tough guy. But, you know, I mean, you, you, you brought back Lord Tensai, and, and you know, he's he's been squashing. You got uh, the Funkasaurus, 
who uh, for the most part has had a series of squash matches. Um, now looks like they're going to try and, although it was a little bit different, but still in all the Damian Sandow match was kind of a squash. Um, it, it's just too much. Uh, one of these guys, and I think really and truly it's someone like, I mean, the Funkasaurus, they, they put him over. The crowd likes him. I'm not the biggest fan of Brodus Clay's gimmick being this, but it is what it is. You know, I'm willing to accept the fact that, you know, I, some things could work that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, it, it's time, time to put him in a substantial rivalry. It's time for us to uh, see Brodus Clay as, as somewhat vulnerable. Uh, we need to see something else. Uh, you know, they've been doing this enough, uh, enough squashes uh, with him. Uh, was it, He's beaten Miz twice now. I mean, I, do something. So I mean, that that's my problem, I guess, with Ryback, is that there, there's too many squash matches going on uh, over the course of the two shows uh, over, over a given week. And, and I don't need to see that on a pay-per-view. Uh, that being said, I thought Over the Limit was a good pay-per-view. Um, with some booking issues. The thing with Laurinaitis, John Cena, um, again, anyone who criticizes that match, I don't know what you were expecting. Uh, that's what that match is going to be. Uh, it, it delivered on exactly what I thought it was going to be. However, I found myself thinking that maybe that could have been something uh, saved for Monday Night Raw. That's not a, a headlining match uh, for a pay-per-view. That pay-per-view... It would have been interesting, but maybe the WWE is not going to take that chance. It would have been interesting if they took the chance on Daniel Bryan and CM Punk headlining that pay-per-view. Uh, not one of the big four. Uh, have to be the last match on the card. Uh, it could have been, um, you know, just to see. Just to see if those two guys can headline a pay-per-view. Uh, they did not do that. Uh, they decided to, you know, I guess kind of cop out and make sure Cena's in the main event. Um, so I wasn't crazy about how the, the event was booked, but I do agree with you. I thought it was a solid pay-per-view, uh, top to bottom. I thought Punk Daniel Bryan put on a, a great show. I like what they're doing. I mean, we've criticized a lot, but uh, it seems at least right now the WWE is trying to give a little bit more prestige to the tag team titles and to the IC title. And I've never been a big fan of, of Christian being a, a headliner. like him a lot as the IC title holder. I think he brings something uh, to that title. Um, I would like to see a program with him and Cody. Uh, I love everything Cody does. Uh, Cody's tremendous. Um, so uh, they're giving a kind of a, a title picture with the IC title. So I, I think that's all good. Um, with the pay-per-view and with Laurinaitis, the more and more I thought about it, what I think I would have tried to do is maybe have another match on the card and maybe sell the, the John Cena injury a little more from Brock Lesnar and maybe not even have Cena wrestle. Have him be in someone's corner, have him come down and help someone else uh, in a match and, and Laurinaitis get involved, something. Uh, where he actually was not booked for a match. And then, and also sell the Big Show firing. Big Show is nowhere to be found on the pay-per-view. Um, and then maybe you have that match on Monday Night Raw uh, with him and Laurinaitis, and, and Big Show uh, interferes at, at the end of uh, Monday Night Raw. Uh, that was what I, I found myself thinking. This is more of something I would have 
You know, I would have seen uh, Big Show standing over an unconscious John Cena, as they did afterwards, uh, at the end of a Monday Night Raw. Um, that story arc, now they're going. Um, it's it probably, you know, an excuse for Cena to give us some more feats of strength, which is always entertaining. I can't say that I'm really excited about um, a pay-per-view headliner being uh, John Cena versus The Big Show. I... You know, I, I kind of like the big show heel turn, but um, this is not a match that, that excites me going forward. Um, I do like the fact that, you know, Kurt Hawkins and Tyler Rex had some time on TV. Uh, they're giving them a role. I thought them pulling signs out of the crowd was hilarious. I thought that was tremendous. Um, you know, again, that irony of the people power, uh, but you, you're, you're not going to listen to what the people really have to say. Um, so there, there are a lot of good things. Uh, it was kind of, you know, I found Monday Night Raw and, and the pay-per-view kind of a a mixed bag. Um, I did like seeing also everyone jump in the ring at the end of Monday Night Raw and seeing a, a big melee. Um, always good. Always good when a show ends with a big melee. Um, but we're seeing some other guys get featured a little more on TV. Uh, some of the newer guys where, you know, I'm curious to see where they're going to go. And hopefully, you know, Tyler Rex and Kurt Hawkins, um, you know, we're looking forward to tag team wrestling making a comeback uh, in the WWE. How did you think they followed up the pay-per-view with uh, Monday Night Raw? What were your thoughts on Monday Night Raw? Well, I mean, we didn't, you know, the show didn't start off the greatest with that screw-up with, the, you know, the angle with Big Show and Cena. Um, but uh, I kind of like where they're going, like, with... Uh, with uh, which we call it uh, Rex and Hawkins, uh, and uh, yeah, Rex and Hawkins and uh, Titus O'Neil and uh, Darren Young, they came out and they kind of like attacked Cena and Sheamus on the behalf, or attacked Cena on the behalf of Lornice. And Lornice didn't order them to do that. I'm kind of curious where they're going to go with that. Um, it's been known, I guess, on both of those guys' Twitters that they've been trying to impress Lornitis on the NXT show that. Nobody watches unless you really have nothing better to do with your life, um, and uh, so uh, I mean that's interesting. Um, Punk and Brian, I'd like to see it just be the two of them, but it looks like that they're going with putting Kane involved somehow, or maybe Kane's going to be an afterthought for Brian later on down the later on down the road, as we saw with the uh, the chair shot incident that Miss um, Caller brought up. Um, earlier, maybe Brian and Kane will feud after No Way Out, but it looks like it's going to be Brian and Punk for the title and some sort of stipulation, uh, maybe a submission match. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I mean it was okay. It was an okay show. The, um, I mean I didn't like the idea of putting uh, it was Ziggler, Swagger, and Tensai against Cena and Sheamus. I mean, uh, to me, I love Dolph Ziggler. I think he's great. I think he's destined for superstardom. He could be a big name for that company and. Uh, you know, he, he was made to look quite silly um, bumping around for Sheamus and Cena, um, you know, this past Monday night. And I just think he deserves a better role um, on the show. So, uh, and Christian, they highlighted him, you know, coming back and they're making a big deal out of it. He's the Intercontinental Champion. You know, that's cool. I like Christian. You and I can, you know, you and I have disagreed on this before, especially on the Facebook chat. But I think Christian's a main eventer. I don't think he needs to be in the Intercontinental title scene, but then again, if they're trying to reestablish the championship, he's a good name to help reestablish it. So, 
Oh, I'm always optimistic. I always think of the glass uh, half full and half empty. So, uh, you know, let's let's see what let's see what happens tonight. Hopefully, we have a better outing tonight than we did last week. It's an interesting point, like you bring up with with uh, Daniel Bryan, and because uh, I don't I don't see Bryan being the one I, at this point. You know, no disrespect intended to Daniel Bryan, but I feel like it's got to be a bigger deal now to get the the title off of CM Punk. And and it's got to be at a at a big pay per view. Like to me, I'd have those strap on on Punk now till SummerSlam. Uh, he's held it a, a long time, and and I like that. I I love you know seeing some consistency with the title. Uh, I think that's tremendous. Um, but is this for Daniel Bryan's career and where they're going? And we've talked about this before with some superstars. Uh, it seems like they build them up. Uh, they peak or at least to creative they peak then they kind of tear them down and then they rebuild them and we've seen them kind of do that with Sheamus uh curious if that's what they're doing right now with the Miz because they definitely that guy is is nowhere close to the main event right now um with Daniel Bryan is this the beginning of the end of him being in the title picture uh I was surprised when he came out and gave Kane the beatdown Immediately, I thought, well, I guess they're going to move. They're going to start moving into a Kane Bryan feud, and does that start to take uh, Daniel Bryan out of the title picture? Um, again, I don't know how long term a Daniel Bryan is. Tremendously gifted in the ring, the yes chant is uh, taken off tremendously. Uh, I wonder about the character and how much staying power uh, the character has. Uh, but the whole Kane thing, the whole chair thing, is this a bad sign for Daniel Bryan's career? No, I don't think it's a bad sign. Um, I mean, he's been, if you want to look at it, I mean, he's been in the title picture since, probably since he well, since he won the belt in December. You can even go as far as back to say that, you know, he was in the title picture when he won the money in the bank last summer. Granted, he had a, you know, they didn't really do much with him after he won the Money in the Bank, but it was in, it was put the thought was put into the fans' mind that eventually Daniel Bryan's going to be a part of the title picture because he had that Money in the Bank briefcase. So if you look how long he's been in the title picture, technically since December when he won the world title and he carried it until WrestleMania, losing it to Sheamus. He had a rematch with Sheamus at the pay-per-view, and then he got into another title match with CM Punk. You're looking at, you know, six months of Daniel Bryan involved in the title scene, which for a guy of his size and his stature um, in wrestling fans' minds, that's pretty good. That, 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 yeah, that's and now really... that's what I'm saying. Like, so are they phasing him out of the title picture now? Well, no, I don't think I don't think it's 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 it's, it's I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that they're going to go with him and CM Punk. I bet the farm that they're going to go with him and CM Punk at No Way Out, and they're giving him something to do after that especially with Kane. Um, they always like to give Kane something to do because Kane's been a loyal uh, employee to the company and he's solid. and He's basically really one of the only guys that's just been injury-free, so to speak. I think he had like one injury, maybe two, out of his whole career. But they gave him time off last year, and then they brought him back in the in the, in the, uh, the wintertime in December, and he brought the mask back and the hair. And I don't know how you can grow long hair from July to December from being bald, but that's a, that's another creative inconsistency we can get into another time. However, um, it's a big red Kane, machine. No, I he can do those things. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shit. You know, that's the case. Pete Roach should have long hair right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
I think I think putting Daniel Bryan with Kane, I think their thinking is, all right, let's give him a break from the title picture. He's done well in the position he's been in. Let's see what he could do with a guy like Kane, especially different style, different size. And the other thing, too, is, you know, if they have him mow, mow down a guy like Kane and beat Kane, which isn't going to hurt Kane because he's always going to be the big red monster, regardless of who he loses to. If he loses to Hornswoggle, he's still going to be the big red monster. But, you know, if he, if he loses a match to a guy like Daniel Bryan, who is as skilled and as over as he is, it's going to help Daniel Bryan more so than eventually he's got a case that could be built for when he could get a title shot again, be it SummerSlam or in the fall or even maybe next next year's WrestleMania, you know, another guy that they could put on Daniel Bryan's notch that, you know, he has beaten, you know, another notch on the belt, so to speak. Um, so I, I see, I see a po- I see a positive and also Daniel Bryan being relevant in terms of the storylines. He's over t-shirt sells, you know what I mean? Over over one word. Yes. So, I mean, it, he's, he's not going anywhere. He'll be back in the title picture at some point. Um, I think that this run with CM Punk, you know, the build-up towards last week's match was disappointing. The match exceeded the expectations. And uh, I think we'll see more between the two of them, obviously, heading to no way out a match. And um, then he'll move on to Kane from there. But I think it's I think it's positive as far as Daniel Bryan is concerned and where his character is. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like, you know, they're, they're definitely going to phase him out. I agree with you. I think he'll he'll be back in the title picture at some point. The interesting thing about this punk Bryan thing, and, and it's one of the things that I, I found disappointing, and, and you, you hit on it, um, for as great a match as they put on, uh, there there is a, a kind of a lack of heat between the two of these guys. Um, I don't know if that's done purposely because there's a mutual respect and yada, 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 but I, I – I, you know, I, I almost wish Daniel Bryan came to the ring and did that to CM Punk. Um, I would like to see a little more juice between these two guys. Um, you know, because it, it just, I don't know. Like, And people like, love to compare, you know, anytime there's going to be two great workers getting into the ring, you immediately have that, you know, Macho Man uh, steamboat comparison from WrestleMania 3. And, you know, could this be this year's? Steamboat Savage match, you know, this the could this you know equate with that? And you know, one thing that you know got to remember, as great a match as that was, and that was a tremendous match, and two gifted performers in their prime. Man, there was quite a story arc going into that match. I mean, Jesus, Macho Man crushed Steamboat's legs. For Christ's sake, they hated each other. I mean, you know, there was a lot there to get into in in that match. You know, great match aside, and it, it was a tremendous match, but, you know, you went into that. You wanted to see Steamboat kill Macho Man for the travesties that he perpetrated on him. There was a lot of heat there. There was a, a well-thought-out story arc. And, and right now I still find I, I'm looking and I'm thinking of Daniel Bryan. It's all right, so... We're, we're we're building this rivalry with CM Punk, and they're two guys that are tremendous performers, and yes, they're going to put on a great match. But at this point, if I was ranking the heat that Daniel Bryan has, he's probably got the most heat with AJ and the second most heat with Kane. So I agree. I think they will go with a rematch at the next pay-per-view with, with Punk and Daniel Bryan. But I'd like to see Rating get a, you know, a little bit better and give us something between the two of them. 
Um, even if it's so far, I mean, I know they've been a little flirty. If we're going to have CM Punk get involved with AJ, or just something uh, to give us a little bit of heat between these two guys, because there's, there's really not much of a storyline between them. And, and I, I don't know, personally, you know, for me with pro wrestling, I mean, it's entertainment. I, I want to be entertained, and, and I want to see rivalries. And, you know, when someone... You know, when Jimmy Snooker had to climb to the top of the cage and land on Don Morocco, he did that because he hated Morocco so much. He had to inflict as much pain on Morocco as possible. And so without any regard for his own personal safety, and after the match was over, he leaps to, to perhaps certain doom just inflict more pain on Don Morocco. And, you know, you kind of would like to see that. You kind of, you know, if you're, when they're putting submission holds on each other, you know, you want to feel that hatred that he wants to break his arm. He wants to break his leg, you know, because they hate each other, because they, they just despise each other. And, and that's, that's what I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm missing out of this rivalry. Again, two tremendous performers and Cannot say enough good things about that match. The ebb and flow was, was great. Uh, they, they worked the match. I mean, two guys that definitely know uh, each other's strengths and weaknesses and, and knew how to how to work that match. Uh, you know, very impressed with, with how they put that match on. Um, but really need to see uh, more of a build between the two of them to really get into that rivalry. Uh, which brings us to the portion of the program, you know it. You love it. You want it. The Ken Reedy Show. Nah, over the rule. have reached the portion of our program, the Ken Reed Show, not of approval. This portion of the program is something you liked in pro wrestling, something that you just looked at and you thought to yourself, hmm, yeah, that works. And you just nodded to yourself because you knew, yeah, that's a good thing. And we talk about this every week. We pick one thing, and it could be an arena. It could be a crowd. It could be a performer. It could be anything in the world of professional wrestling that will get our nod of approval. We also have it on Facebook. We're going to announce those. So if you got a nod of approval you'd like to talk about on Facebook, get it on there now. But Dave, without further ado, what gets your nod of approval this week? My nod of approval goes to the segment on Monday Night Raw between CM Punk and AJ in the backstage area, um, where she was kind of flirting with him and she, you know, was, giving her approval of, you know, him beating Daniel Bryan. And uh, then he kind of spoke up and talked about, you know, uh, how unstable she is. And she started crying. And then it, well, the, the best part of that whole segment was at one point she's crying and he doesn't know what to do. And he's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wait. Oh, oh. all right. Come on. Bring it in. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. Mm-hmm. I did crazy chicks. And I just thought the interaction between the two of them was funny. Um, I could see maybe possibly a couple of scenarios where she – tries to cost Punk the title to try and get Daniel Bryan back, or she tells, helps Punk keep the title from Daniel Bryan. And, uh, you know, maybe they see if the two of them pair up together. Punk's kind of got a, a a female companion to, uh, to to have latch on to him, so to speak, to give him more of a, uh, 
a sex appeal to the female audience because he's probably not the greatest looking thing to look at. Um, but, uh, that, yeah, that gets my nod of approval this week. There really wasn't much in wrestling this week that got my nod of approval, especially that fucking list that those assholes put out about the 25 <laughs> fuckers. That gets my, that gets my flush down the toilet approval. But, uh, the, the, the head shake of disapproval. Yes. The head um, shake of disapproval. Yes. So that's my yeah, it was, it was a good segment, and, I, and I'm I'm hoping that they, like, and we've talked about this uh, on past shows, that they kind of parlay uh, what AJ is doing into the diva division because uh, uh, she's slowly but surely becoming the most recognizable diva in the company. Um, would like to see that move into the uh, the diva division because they could could do something. And uh, yeah, I mean CM Punk, there was definitely a, an interesting interaction between the two of them. Uh, it was awkward. Uh, intentionally, um, you know, it was funny when he's like, "All right, yeah, yeah, yeah bring it in, bring it in." Um, and I, I like crazy chicks, so it definitely uh, gave us a hint as to what might be coming uh, or something's coming, whether it's AJ screwing over uh, Punk or perhaps screwing over Daniel Bryan. Uh, everyone's seen the uh, the posters uh, for the pay per view with Daniel Bryan, an old fashioned black and white kind of vibe with uh, Daniel Bryan tied to the railroad tracks, and uh, yeah, AJ's tying the knot. So who knows uh, where they're going to go, what side of the fence AJ's going to uh, go on, but there's a female, and she's in a substantial storyline uh, right now in wrestling, and that is a good thing. Going over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show, um, we got some nods of approvals. I'm not sure about this, but Carlos Fernandez uh, wrote, uh, circle line, circle dot. I'm sure it means something. I'm, I'm kind of ignorant. Maybe there's some some wrestling thing or some internet thing that I'm I'm not aware of. Uh, if anyone knows what this means, give us a call. But uh, for it's not a circle line, circle dot. Um, Michelle wrote uh, Big Show's promos, both of them on Raw and SmackDown. Um, interesting. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I did think that he gave a good promo on Raw, as much as there are inconsistencies in the storyline. Um, uh, an intense big show was uh, definitely interesting. So, uh, yeah, it's Michelle's nod of approval. And Michael Lancaster, Joey Ryan. Dude's got charisma. He'd be a great addition to the X Division. Yes, on, on TNA's on Fight Night, uh, Joey Ryan was uh, fighting for a contract. Um, definitely, yeah, one of the uh, few guys I brought in that I... It was an interesting character. Uh, they looked like a little, little rough, um, but definitely had some skills. Uh, so he may well be a good uh, addition to the X division. So uh, Joey Ryan gets Michael Lancaster's nod of approval. For me, uh, this past week, the nod of approval, I am going to go with social media. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, the whole thing. Um, because of the debacle in the WWE and with WWE Creative, uh, social media is what brought it to their attention. The story we heard was when Twitter blew up about the inconsistency in the storyline, they realized that they had to go to Michael Cole and they had to fix it. So um, I thought that was great. It just shows how much uh, times have changed in wrestling, how important social media is. So everyone out there on social media... Uh, kudos to you. Kudos to everyone who's out there tweeting and Facebooking. And like I said before, every week on Monday nights, 
uh, go to the Monday night uh, Facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy show and you'll see something that says raw chat starts now or let's talk raw or something to that effect. And a few of us, whoever wants to jump on, jump on. But we talk about raw uh, for the full two hours. So it's on our Facebook. So social media is everywhere. It is changing the way we look at wrestling, the way we view wrestling and the way we talk about wrestling and because it had such an impact on the storyline last week, social media gets my nod of approval. And there you have it. Ken Reedy's show, Nods of Approval. The Ken Reedy Show, Nods of Approval. You know, I just got word that what Carlos uh, posted means confused and what do you mean, according to the Urban Dictionary. Thanks for getting that in. So Carlos was confused on exactly what the nod of approval is. So, Carlos, I hope you're listening. Uh, again, the nod of approval is something you just saw in professional wrestling, and uh, you just nodded to yourself and thought, hey, that, was, uh, that worked. I get that. And you just kind of uh, nodded to yourself. So uh, that's a nod of approval. So, uh, you know, if you want to post uh, now on Facebook, give us your nod of approval. If not, hope you're on the bus for next week's show, Carlos. Glad to have you aboard. Thanks for joining us here on the Ken Reedy Show. Dave, what are you looking forward to tonight, Monday Night Raw? Um, hopefully some more development in the uh, – <clears throat> some some development that makes sense in the Big Show John Cena storyline. Something different, a different twist to it because – We've seen these guys work a bunch of times. I mean, they feuded in 2004, um, had a lengthy run against each other. Cena won the U.S. strap from him in uh, WrestleMania 20. They feuded in 2006 at one point, I believe, when he was the ECW champion and Cena was the WWE champion. They had a run in 2009 when, uh, you know, when, when Big Show helped Edge beat John Cena for the world title, and they had a couple of matches on pay-per-view. Uh, I mean, some different. Why are, you, why, are you go, why are you targeting John Cena other than the fact that you got your job back? You know what I mean? Like, let's come up with something creative, you know? Add, add a twist to it that's going to say, okay, this might work, you know? And uh, some actual heat in that Daniel Bryan CM Punk stuff. And uh, hopefully some, some other guys being showcased, you know, guys like Rex and Hawkins and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Cody and, you know, uh, where they're going to go with uh, with uh, Sheamus, too, you know, and Del Rio, how they're going to get that going. And uh, the other question is, with Jericho being suspended, they started an angle with him last week going after Orton. Now he's gone. Where is this Lee Randy Orton? What's he going to do? Who's he going to work with? And, uh, you know, hopefully we get some more answers tonight. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I think you know we're getting we're going into the pay per view. Um, I'd like to see uh, some something else um, because I don't know how sustainable this is going to be if it's just uh, you know Big Show wants to save his job and Big Show is just going after Cena just because Lernitis told him to. Um, there, I'd like to see more depth and uh, storyline. Um, obviously, I agree with you on the Daniel Bryan CM Punk thing. Um, I'd like to see some more heat. Uh, in there. Um, what I'd really like to see, and, and it's cool they got these on 
tag teams uh, coming out. Um, I like what they're doing with uh, uh, Titus O'Neil and Darren Young. Um, I, I do like that. I liked what I saw with them versus the Usos. What I'd like to see now is is let's let's build a rivalry between teams. Uh, let, let's have something, uh, maybe even a rematch between the Usos and uh, uh, Darren Young and Titus O'Neil. Like have those guys wrestle again. Uh, maybe create some bad blood between two tag teams uh, that don't have belts. Uh, that you can parlay that into uh, going after the belt. So you can parlay that into uh, you know perhaps a number one contendership match. Uh, I'd like to see something like that. Um, also with uh, Tyler Rex and Kurt Hawkins, I, you know, I'd like to see uh, more from them, more from uh, some of the new guys uh, on TV. I think that that will all uh, serve to make for a more entertaining uh, Monday Night Raw. You do bring up a good point, though. Where exactly do they go now with with Randy Orton? Uh, what do they do? That you know, they have Sheamus and Del Rio that are going to be wrestling. Um, you got an odd man out right now going into the, the pay-per-view. Uh, do they cop out and throw him into the match and just make it a triple threat match after there was a fatal four-way? Um, no, I don't think that works. Would, what was that? I, would, I wouldn't do that. I'd put Orton in something else. If anything, I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see an Orton-Dolph Ziggler run and put it on pay-per-view. That's just my personal opinion. I'd like to see I would Randy mind Orton. seeing that too, but they need to—they need to stop making. I mean, Ziggler at this point is is a glorified jobber. It's almost I mean, like he's a victim of his own success. That guy can sell the shit out of anything. I mean, yeah. I, that could make you or I look good in the ring. And and it almost it almost seems like that that's what his role has become. Like he just, you know, he gets beat and he makes other people look good. Uh, when they win, and that guy is way too too talented to continue to be used like this. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see a run like that. Um, you know, something. Uh, you know what? Like maybe have Ziggler beat Orton on a, on a SmackDown or or something like. Can we give Ziggler, uh, you know, a substan a victory perhaps uh, at some point? I really do not like how they've used him at all. A guy's got really all the talent in the world, and you know they're not using him effectively in the least. And if you're not going to use him in a Randy Orton feud, you could slot him over and uh, move him into the IC title picture, perhaps, which again would give uh, that title a little more uh, meaning. Um, who knows? Maybe uh, you know. I mean, they got the. I don't know. I, I I don't know where you go with Randy Orton. Uh, you know, a Ziggler thing would be interesting, but um, I don't know. Uh, and hopefully, you know, they, they move, they, they tell us, uh, you know, where they're going to go kind of on Raw. And do they, do they in fact, uh, I mean, it's all over the place. Uh, do we just hear that Jericho was suspended, or do we come up with a uh, clever story arc to uh, explain that? Um, who knows? Who knows they, where they acknowledged suspension at the house shows after the after the the, the incident. If you, I, I forgot to mention that that Laurenitis came out and him and Otunga at the next the next night's house show in uh, somewhere in Brazil and uh, mentioned that Chris Jericho has been suspended for 30 days for denigrating the Brazilian flag. Tonight the Miz will he, he told this Miz, Miz replaced Jericho on the string of house shows the oh this the South American house shows. This past week, um, 
against uh, CM Punk for the title. So um, they did mention it publicly at house shows, so I wouldn't be surprised if it gets brought up on TV tonight. Well, good. And, you know, I mean, maybe The Miz. I mean, maybe that's how The Miz gets himself back in the picture, which I don't want to happen, but who knows? Maybe he's moved into that role. Uh, well, we've reached the end of another two hours. Thank you all for tuning in to The Ken Reedy Show. Remember, June 11th is our big night live at the Peppermill South. Give us a show there. Come on down. Hang out. Giveaways. Earl Skakel. Jerry Lynn scheduled to be on board, as well as Dave out there in Connecticut. Dave, always a pleasure. As always, my tag team partner, Dave Rosenblum, bringing the best in pro wrestling talk at you. For Dave, I am Ken Reedy. This is the Ken Reedy Show. Thank you all for tuning in. And it's time for Monday Night Raw!